Don't you love Jeff? Yeah, I do too. So good. So proud of him. It is uh, thrilling to be back. I just got back from Italy. And um, I was there two weeks with my family. We cashed in our savings account, or not our savings account, our vacation account. For 30 years that Kathy and I have been married, we have made it a priority to put a, um, some money aside every year for vacations. And sometimes when we go to Disneyland or Lake Mead, it doesn't cost as much. But we, after the last several years, we cashed it in and went to Italy. And we took uh, our girls with us. My son was studying abroad, so he was already over there. But uh, my 19-year-old on the trip said to me one night at dinner, Dad, you're good at a lot of things, but you're not very good at speaking other languages. See, my language proficiency consists of about 15 Spanish words. Okay, that's, that's about all I, I know. And, um, and actually, some Spanish words actually sound a little bit like Italian. And uh, one night we're sitting at dinner with this other family, and there was a fifth grader there, and I heard him say in, in Italian something like, Como se dice? And I said, Oh, that sounds like Spanish. And this fifth grader, in the most mocking, condescending attitude that you can ever imagine in your life, from a child to an adult, said, Duh, they both have Latin roots. Again, now I think my 19-year-old is now uh, you know, feeling bad for me that I was just mocked by a fifth grader. And so she begins to backpedal a little bit and said, Dad, really, really, that's the only thing that you're not very good at. You're good at everything. That's the only thing you're not very good at, which, which is why she's my favorite child. Uh, then my wife chimes in on this. And she says, well, not really. Uh, you have said, Doug, several times that you're not very good at, at singing and rhythm. Okay? Now, this is perfect if you're not married or newly married. It's an incredible strategy. You just use your spouse's words to mock them. And that way, it's just really safe for yourself, okay, that you've always, you've always said. And I've mentioned to you a couple times before that I can't clap and sing at the same time. I know there's about six of you in here that are part of my club. Who are you? Yeah, I know, I know, I remember you, we just, we just can't. We have to choose one or the other. We cannot do both. The rest of you, you make fun of us, that's fine. I can't even watch American Idol with my family because I'll say, oh, she's really good. No, she's not, Dad. She's not good at all. She just has a great smile. That's why you think she's good. You know, so I have, I have no rhythm. I can't clap and sing. But uh, if I tell you the truth, I have singer's envy. I want to be, be a singer really, really bad. But um, here's where I'm totally self-aware. Um, I don't want to be the main singer. I just want to be a backup singer. And honestly, you could even turn off my mic. I, I just want to be the... I don't want to be Ethan. I just kind of want to be where Trish was over here. And, and you know, people grow up going, I want to be Bono. I don't. I want to be Bono's backup. I grew up um, as a teenager liking Kiss. Any Kiss fans? Okay? A few of us. I want to rock and roll all night. It's actually a 16th century hymn that you don't know. But, uh, but I don't want to rock the stage. I just want to stand behind a microphone and wear a little face paint and, and be a part of, part of Kiss that way. I want to be a backup singer. And as a matter of fact, uh, let me just ask you a question. What does a backup singer do? Talk to me. What is the role of a backup singer? Where is Trish? To harmonize. 
Where is Trish? She was just up here singing. What, is she out for a smoking break or something? Oh, come on. Or we sing and then leave, go get donuts? Okay, I understand. Yeah, to, to harmonize, to, to actually make the lead singer sound fuller and sound better. And that's the image that I want you to have today. As a matter of fact, I'm going to invite every one of you, whether you're single, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're married, I want to invite you to be backup singers to a duet. And that duet is the marriages in our little community here called Mariners. Not just our community, but also the community in which we live in. I stole this metaphor from a friend of mine, his name is Ted, he's a, he's a pastor in a church in Branson, Missouri, and I know when you think Branson, Missouri, you think redneck and mullet and overalls, and Ted's not like that at all, he doesn't wear overalls, um, but he is a pastor of a church similar size to Mariner's Mission Viejo, and he does something fascinating and inspiring. He's been doing this for years, that one Sunday every month in his church calendar, he stops whatever they're doing, and he talks about marriage. And actually, that's just unheard of in church world. And I know there's some people who are probably part of his, you know, his congregation at first that were kind of spiritually cocky and, you know, well, why don't you just talk about the Bible? And if you talk about the Bible, that'll help people's marriage. Okay, churchy churchmeyer, uh, here's what you need to understand. The truth is, when a marriage goes bad, Typically, everything in that person's life begins to self-destruct. So for those of you who are married, think about this. If your marriage is not going well, you don't wake up in the morning and go, I'm going to spend time with Jesus. I mean, you just, you just don't do that. You wake up thinking, you wake up mad, you wake up in tension. It's not like you're racing to have you know, tea and crumpets with, with Jesus. Now, you're... you're Parenting is also affected by the health of your marriage. That little Billy's mom doesn't have time to teach little Billy about grace because little Billy's mom doesn't give it to little Billy's dad. And teenage Tina's dad doesn't teach Tina about forgiveness because he holds grudges on Tina's mom. See, At its core, helping marriages is essentially a discipleship issue. It's helping people follow in the ways of Jesus. Because when the primary relationship of male-female marriage isn't working, nothing else is working. Now, why talk about this today? Because in about the year and a half that Jeff has been the lead pastor of this community... It's probably been the number one issue that has come up amongst prayer requests, amongst conversations, that our community is actually filled with a lot of people who are struggling in their marriage. And this is a real issue here. That's what we know to be true. But here's what we also know to be true. There are some great marriages represented here. And those marriages haven't always been great. They've actually learned how to navigate the ways and they've learned some things that now actually what they can do is they can apply those learnings to other couples. All that to say, some of the answers to the struggling marriages that are sitting here today are actually sitting around you. 
So let's go back to the backup singer illustration for a second. What if, what if you and I were able to sing backup to another marriage? I think God would be honored. I think God would be pleased. As a matter of fact, I actually believe that many of you have the, the capability and the gifting to be great backup singers. No matter your age, no matter your marital status, that you can sing backup to marriages. Now, pause for a minute and reach into your bulletin and grab the outline. And I did something different with the outline. Is I'm actually going to force you to work a little bit this week because I didn't want to just throw all my, my points in there, but I did put the scriptures in there. If you want to follow along, they'll also be up on the screen or you can read them out of your, your Bible. Is I want to present to you three ideals, three marriage ideals that I've stolen. Okay? I've stolen these. I've taken them right out of the Bible. And what I want us to do is I want, I want to present them to you. And really what I want to do is I want to call you as a community, us as a church, to stack hands on these ideals. For those of you who are single, I encourage you to make these some of your goals, no matter what your age is, to, to write these down and make this part of your marriage ideal. The first is this, if you're taking notes, is marriage needs to be honored by all. Marriage needs to be honored by all. Let's put that on the screen. Okay? Now, this is something very simple that all of us can do. You can begin speaking highly of marriage. See, even if you're a single person, those of you who are single, raise your hand if you're single. Let me see. Okay? All right. Several of you. When you see something in someone's marriage where you go, that was great. You can actually honor their marriage by speaking truth into them. I love the way you treat her. I've been taking notes on your marriage. I like what I see. You actually breathe life into that marriage and you honor it. Single people, you're taking notes and you can, you can honor marriage. I think there's a lot of negative messages being sung about marriage. You know, one I heard not too long ago was, you know, I... I, I Oh, I heard a woman say this in a Starbucks. I know you've been through a lot in your marriage. He will never change. Okay, that's just a negative message. Right? And if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you can never say that. Because we actually believe that people change. We actually believe that God, through the power of His Holy Spirit enters a person, person's life and has the presence and the power of Jesus and can actually change a life, can restore and redeem a marriage. We actually believe that an idiotic, selfish husband can change. Okay? Don't nudge the person next to you going, okay, there, there's hope, because we actually believe that a nagging wife can change. A constant drip of a nagging wife can change. Let me share, show you where I stole this from in Hebrews chapter 13 up on the screen. Read these first six words with me out loud. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. Notice there's two parts to this verse. Part A is marriage should be honored by all and, and the marriage bed should be kept pure. For about 30 years of my life, I've been teaching teenagers um, really honest stuff about, about sex. As a matter of fact, a couple weeks ago, I spoke to 1,500 high school kids, and I loved every minute of it. And I don't 
I don't have use the typical public school system where you try to scare the virginity into them, uh, you know, by showing them pictures of sexually transmitted diseases or anything like that. Instead, I just teach them the why. What's the principle behind it? Why is that God's design? Why does he, why does he want that to happen? Most kids, especially those who have grown up in church, have come to believe that sex is dirty and rotten and awful. So save it for marriage for the one that you love. Okay, that's kind of what it is. But I really, as I, I hold the mirror up on my own life, if I, if I could go back 30 years and redo it, I don't think I would have spent as much time on the second part of that verse, or I would have equaled it. Because that, that first part, I, I think I would do a better job teaching about honor. What does it mean to honor marriage? It means to esteem it and hold it as valuable. Meaning this, all of us in here, we need to be marriage advocates. That we lift marriage up as, as God's design, promoting that, that marriage is, is beautiful and, and valuable. Because you know what we have right now? We have this millennial generation that is scared of marriage, that is delaying marriage. You know that. You know the statistics have, have gone from like 22 to 28. They're scared based on what they've seen, and it's a sad thing because marriage is God's design and it can be great. So what honor means is that every person, married, single, young, old, it doesn't matter, that you and I, we need to learn to esteem marriage as valuable. And like I said, I realize there are singles here, and I don't want you to think this message is just for married people. Most single people want to get married. Obviously, there are some exceptions to that, but 90% of us in here will be married. Marriage in our culture is the norm. And singles need to hear a message that God is, is actually for marriage. It's his invention. It's his idea. I think single guys need to hear a message to stop asking girls out via text and Facebook. All right, but that's a whole other message altogether, just to be a man and actually use your voice. There, there's an older generation here, even an older generation than mine, that, that you've heard stories of, you know, they would meet somebody at a, at a dance or just see a cute girl and then walk straight up to her and ask her out, right? You've heard those stories. And then a week later, they get married, and then 60 years later, you go, wow, you know. And, and you know, they weren't afraid of, of you know, older people... They, they survived world wars. <laughs> you know, dating, asking people out is no big deal. You know, I stormed the beach of Normandy. I'll ask a girl out. You know, I lived in the jungle on one rock and chest hair. You know, I can, I can take somebody out. Okay. But the issue with this millennial generation is they have been protected. They've been protected from a lot of pain and difficulty. I mean, you see young people break down if they've lost their internet connection for, for an hour, all right? Well, what am I saying here? I'm saying that you and I, we've got to start promoting marriage. It's got to be, it's got to be honored by all. You know, we've got this, this culture where people are, you know, dating three to seven years, having sex, living together, and then they have the audacity to want God's blessing on that. Friends, if you want God's blessing on your life, you live God's way. 
It's as, it's as simple and as complex as that. And then we honor marriage with, with a wedding. And some you know, young people say, well, I'm going to wait till I'm an adult. What is an adult? When does somebody actually become an adult? According to Bear Aspirin, it's at 12. Okay? 12 years old, you're an adult. According to our military, it's 18, right? You can vote. 21, you can drink. Can't even rent a car till you're 25. Okay? Uh, United Airlines charges you an adult price for a ticket at 2. Okay? So somewhere between 2 and 25, you are an adult. They go, no, I'll be an adult when I'm financially responsible. At which point, none of us in here, you know, are, are adults. Okay? So whether you're married or not, here's my point. We all have to sing backup. We have to sing backup. We have to honor marriage. That is one of God's values and a value that I want to communicate to our community. Second thing I want to communicate is that marriage needs to be enjoyed. Marriage needs to be enjoyed. God did not give you your spouse to beat you down and drain the life out of you so you can be more like Jesus. And that's a principle that's being taught a lot of places. But God actually wants you to enjoy your, your, the companionship of your, of your spouse. The book of Ecclesiastes, and one of the themes in Ecclesiastes is that life goes by very fast. And you can actually read Ecclesiastes. It's kind of a depressing book. Because, but in some ways, here's what it's saying. Here's how you avoid a meaningless life. Basically, you know, when a person is dead, the opportunities to enjoy life are kind of gone. So here's, here's what the author writes. Go, eat your food with gladness, in verse 7. Drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white. This is kind of a reference or symbolism to righteousness. And always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. Actually, that word meaningless could be translated another way, and it often is, to the word fleeting. F-L-E-E-T-I-N-G, fleeting. Meaning, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. The days of this fleeting life, it is going by quickly. Life is moving on. Friends, enjoy your wife, your spouse. Guys, you don't have to choose between do I have a life or do I have a wife, okay? You can have both at the same time. You can enjoy life with your wife. You can enjoy life with your husband. God has given you your spouse not to grind you down, but to live with in the midst of the grind. I mean, Ecclesiastes says, you know, life is a grind, Difficult things happen. That's the beauty of companionship, to enjoy one another. I so enjoy marriage. I would rather be with Kathy Fields than with anybody in the entire world. And Kathy is gracious enough to respond by saying, I'm in her top seven. Okay? <laughs> so I've got that going for me. And I think, you know, Kathy and I were talking about this on the plane coming back from Italy. She goes, well, okay, I get it, marriage needs to be enjoyed, but how are you actually going to help people do that? How do you enjoy your spouse? And it was a good question, and my response is to, to actually do what you did when you were falling in love. You watch people when they're falling in love. What do they do? They spend time with one another. 
They date one another. They get in the presence of one another. Some of you in here, you have lost the art of dating in your marriage, and you're not enjoying your relationship. You know, at Mariner's Mission Viejo, the last year or so, we've held three date nights. And these date nights have been just short, like an hour. They've been fun. They've been informational. They get you thinking. We take care of your kids. And then we say, you know, go out and, and date. How many of you, just by show of hands, how many of you have been to one of those? Okay. Yeah, some of you have been to that. And our goal is to have three or four during, during the year. But we know what happens when people go out on a date. They begin to enjoy one another. The problem is you get married, then life gets in the way, and you don't seem to enjoy one another so much. I believe that most couples don't recognize, one, the power of dating, and two, they just don't know how to date anymore. The power of dating. The National Marriage Project, which is out of the University of Virginia, suggests that dating leads... I don't know why we had to spend money researching this, but here was their conclusion. That dating leads to marital satisfaction. Okay, And specifically, these five benefits. Let me just rattle them off to you. Dating keeps lines of communication open. Dating allows couples to shatter routines and get out of the rut. Dating rediscovers passion and sparks sexual intimacy. Dating models commitment to children. And dating relieves stress. Okay? That there is, there is can you, to enjoy your spouse, you need to set that time aside. If you don't have the finances, you wait till the kids are asleep and you, you date in your, your house. You co-op babysitters with other people. You join us on the date nights that we're doing here. You know, most people, I think, they're just looking for ideas on what to do. My buddy was with his son at IHOP, and they were playing that, that little paper football game where you shoot it across the table, and, and then you make goalposts, and you flick it over the goalposts to try to score. And there was this uh, couple, and you've seen those couples that go to a restaurant, and maybe you're that couple sometimes where you just kind of sit there, you don't talk, you stare at the menu, you listen to one another, chew, which is fun. And, you know, you were kind of watching that. And all of a sudden, my, my buddy's son, Judson, clicks the football, and it flies over Ted's head and hits this guy in the back of the head, this couple. And the guy turns, and he was great. Here's what he said. Uh, I hope you got some points for that. <laughs> and Judson, the little boy, said... You two should play. You keep the football. We'll, we'll make our own football. And then he gets out of his booth, and he goes over to the table, and he shows this couple how to play football on the table. And then my buddy says to me, he says about 10 minutes later, they're laughing, they're talking, they're, you know, an older couple, married, playing paper football. <laughs> and when he told me that story, I thought, really, that's what people need. All people need is football. They just need some ideas. So I go online and I just googled date ideas. Friends, you need ideas, they are out there. I actually made a call to the guy that does our website yesterday and at homeward.com, if you want to write that down, home, W-O-R-D, like the word of God, home and word together, we're going to put up a hundred date ideas. They'll be there by Thursday, okay? Check today and you won't find it. But Thursday, they'll, they'll be there, okay? They're out there. They're, all you need is an idea. I want to show you a cover of a book I read this week called Fun Loving You, Enjoying Your Marriage in the Midst of the Grind. 
This is a great book. This is my, my friend Ted from Branson, Missouri that I was telling you about. At the end of each chapter, he has incredible questions to take and talk to one another on your date. Kathy and I on the plane were looking at some of the questions and her responses, and she's like tired of us talking marriage all the time, but she, you know, she said, these look like great questions, okay? Just a practical resource. Marriage needs to be enjoyed. Marriage needs to be honored, and we can all do that. And thirdly, marriage needs to be prioritized. And here's where I'm going to go after some of you, and some of you, this is going to bother you, and I'm just letting you know ahead of time, I understand it. When you're ticked at me, I get it. I knew this was coming. Some of you will be bothered because you have prioritized your parenting over your marriage. And you know, if you're a regular here, you know how big I am on parenting. I did a three-week series here early in the year. I want you to be a great parent, but not at the expense of your marriage. See, some of you have kids-centered marriages, and you need a spouse-centered marriage. Not Doug's idea. I took it from the Bible. Take a look. Genesis 2, 24. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. If you have a pen, circle that word united. And they become one flesh. United is actually a graphic term for intercourse. Two become one. They are united as one in God's eyes. Parents, you are not one with your child. You are, biblically, you are one with your spouse. You're not one with your child. Your child is going to leave someday. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. You love them deeply, but you're not one with them. So what we've got now, especially here in South Orange County, is we've got all these kid-centered homes where the kids are the center of attention and it's all about them. And mom and dad made life so easy for them that now they don't want to leave. (laughs) And you've got this actually global phenomenon called extended adolescence or delayed adolescence, which I talked about a little bit earlier in the year. It's where young people are embracing kind of this Peter Pan principle where they never grow up. They're older adolescents. They're old enough to act like men and women, but they just never cross that line. So what I mean by this, to prioritize marriage means that you put your marriage before your kids. And if I'm real honest with you, Kathy and I have struggled with this over, I mean, if we look at any struggle over the 30 years that that we have been married, this has been it. We've been parents for 25 years. In our desire to be great parents, there have been times when we have put our kids above our marriage. And please hear this. We have been disobedient to God. When we have done that, we have been disobedient to that that one flesh. Now, in the long run, I think we did a good job, but we had to battle But what you find in marriage, it's a lot easier to pour your energy into your kids than it is into your spouse. And so this year was our first year to be empty nesters. And we have had a blast. (laughs) Okay, Now, don't get me wrong. We love being parents. But we anticipated that this day would come, and we actually built toward it. Because we knew it was going to come. For those of you with little kids, it's going to come. 
I was telling my friend Kim today, her youngest is going into high school. I said, man, the four years of high school, boom, blink, and they are over. The frightening question for many marriages here is that when your kids do go bye-bye, do you even want to be together anymore? Researchers at Bowling Green University reveal this. In 1990, one in ten individuals who divorced were 50 years or older. One in ten. Twenty years later, one in four. Okay? One in four. The divorce rate for those 50 and older. The empty nesters is one in four. See, you don't have to be smart to put this together. A kid-centered home is contributing to extended adolescence and what is called the grain of divorce. Grain like hair, <laughs> like what you see on this lame beard uh, that's going to be shaved this week. Okay? And, and some of you from kid-centered homes, you know, I, I hear your pushback because you're going to say, well, you know, maybe we just care more about our kids than you do, Doug. First of all, no, you don't. All right? And, and second, if you really care about your kids like I know you do, the greatest gift that you can give your kids is a healthy marriage. Let me say that again. The greatest gift you can give your children is a healthy marriage. They need to see mom and dad talking and laughing and praying together and playing together because too much hangs in the balance, not only for your marriage, but for their faith. I put this in your notes. I don't think it's up on the screen, but the Journal for the Scientific Study of Religion says this, children of divorced Christian parents are more than twice as likely to leave the church. Dang. That is an alarming statistic, that 60% of children of divorce walk away from the faith. Why? Because of hypocrisy. That mom and dad promoted God's love but apparently God's love was not strong enough to save their marriage. So why do we want to help marriages win? Why do we want to sing back up to marriages? Because we are about discipleship. And we care deeply about people in the next generation. And we want kids to walk in the ways of Jesus. And they are much more likely to do that if mom and dad stay together. Does that make sense? Okay. So let's go practical. This is, you know, I put in your notes, here's what I'm asking you to do. Just turn this right to you. I'm asking you to apply all three of these values to your own marriage. Okay, all three of these values to your own marriage. And I, it's easier said than done, but we want to we wanna be here to help you along the way. If you're single, make these your goal. Secondly, be a part of the marriage movement that's going to be happening here at Mariner's Mission Viejo is that we are going to provide things for large group like our date nights. We're going to give you curriculum that you can do in your small group, your rooted groups. And we're going to have resources for what we call individual couples. Right now, some of you don't know this, but right now, every weekend on that patio, there is marriage mentoring happening. Right? I have friends, Bill and uh, uh, Mary and Bob, Bill, Sorry, I hope they're not here this service. Uh, Mary, they are good friends too. They were in my rooted group. Uh, Mary and Bob, they're marriage mentors. And what they do is they've been trained. 
and they meet with couples who are struggling, and it's just couple and couple. See, the, the pastoral staff here can't meet everyone's marriage needs in the church. And that's okay because you are the church. People are the church. You're the first line of defense. And you can sing back up to another duet. Some of you are going, I would do that. We're in a position in our marriage where if we got a little bit of training, we, we would do that. The other thing I'm asking you to do is being part of this community is to reignite your dating life. Okay? To, to stop the kid-centric home, to build into your marriage so there's something for them to see and actually something for them to come back to when they come back home. If your kids cry when you go out on a date and they're crying at the door, awesome. Okay, that's all right. Don't think that's child abuse. As a matter of fact, what you're doing is you're providing an environment where they're going to grow up more confident and secure knowing that mommy and daddy adore one another. And they're focusing on their marriage. As I mentioned, I think one of the best gifts that Kathy and I have ever given our kids is a healthy marriage. In your bulletin is this blue card, and it just says, My Marriage. And really what we're doing with this is we're just trying to get some of you that would say, Doug, I'm in. Okay, I'm in. Or my marriage needs help. Please help us. We want to know when your quarterly date nights are. Um, we, want, we want material to be in a rooted life group. We're willing to facilitate a group with other married couples. Or we would like to be marriage mentors. Get in the game is what I'm asking you to do. And we are going to continue to provide you with some resources to help your marriage. Men, just a couple days ago, my latest book came out. It's called Seven Ways to Be Her Hero. I wanted to call it How Not to Suck as a Husband, but the publishers wouldn't do it, okay? Uh, Seven Ways to Be Your Hero, the one she's been waiting for. You guys are the first ones to see it. It's out in the lobby, and here's my commitment to you. I promise you I will not make one penny off this from our church, okay? Now, around the world, I hope to, all right? But from us, from us, not a penny. As a matter of fact, if you're a guy and you can't afford it, I will give it to you as my gift. Now, key there, if you're a guy, let me preface this, okay? If you're a guy and you want to read it and you can't afford it, I will give it to you. If you're a wife who wants to give it to your husband for Father's Day next week, pay for it yourself, all right? That's the way that it goes. But if you're a guy and you want to read it, but your finances, you can't afford 15 bucks, I will give it to you. For the rest of you, when you pick one up, and pick them up, pick, get a bunch of them. Every penny that goes from that is going to go into our marriage movement. And it's going to go towards date nights. It's going to go towards resources. It's going to go towards helping couples in, in, our, in our community. Um, Jim Burns, who also goes here. Jeff, isn't Jim speaking sometime this summer? Yeah, Jim's going to speak sometime this summer. Him and I just finished a book. It's actually coming out in September for those of you who are getting ready for marriage. It's called Getting Ready for Marriage. All right, uh, and so we're going to have resources for those on the, on the pre-marriage side as well. So all that to say this. If Mariner's Mission Viejo is your home, 
this is going to be a place that's going to care for and help marriages. It's going to. Whether, whether you help us or not, whether you sing back up or not, this is going to be a place. Uh, it'll probably be a signature kind of issue. If you ever, ever talk to Jeff's wife, Amanda, you want to see her get fired up. You just talk about some of the pain that she sees in her friends with, with broken marriages. I mean, Amanda will make sure Jeff makes it a major issue in, in our church here, okay? Um, but, and we want to get you, we want you to get involved. So respond, put this in the little offering box in the back, and sometime this summer we're going to connect with you about marriage mentoring and where we're going and how we need your help. And whether you fill this out or not, no matter where you go, you sing back up. You sing back up to marriages. You honor marriage. You breathe into marriages. You support marriages. You encourage marriages. That's your role as a follower of Jesus. The power and the presence of Jesus can change lives. Okay? It can renew marriages. It can restore what is dead. And it can bring joy in the midst of sorrow. Jesus can change life. And if your life is yet to be changed by Jesus, I encourage you to lean into him, to follow him and his teachings. And allow him to use you to sing back up in other marriages. Now here's how I want to end. I know, I know some of you are struggling in your marriage. And I know some of you, you're maybe not struggling right now, but you would say, if we were sitting, you know, knee to knee, eye to eye, you'd say, Doug, maybe we're not struggling, but to be honest, we've never had anybody sing back up to our marriage. We've never had any models of marriage. We've never had any encouragement. Marriage has never been promoted. We don't have a beautiful picture of what marriage looks like. We don't really have a clue how to move it forward. If any of those describe you, I want to ask you to do something courageous. I want to ask you as a couple, if you would allow us as a community to pray over you. And all I want you to do as a couple, if you want to be prayed for, just stand where you are. That's all you have to do. You don't have to do anything weird. You don't have to sign language. You don't have to dance. You don't have to come forward. Just stand up and let your community pray for you. Okay? So, couples? Anybody want to be prayed for? Yeah, thank you. It's courageous to be, be the first. Yeah. Great. Here's what we know. We know there are issues going on. And it doesn't mean just because these people are standing. It doesn't mean their marriage is struggling. Some of you near them, you have answers to what they're going through. And, uh, you know, let spontaneous breakfasts and lunches happen today. Connect with other people. I met somebody today who said, you know, we, we hugged during the greeting time. And they said, we were walking on the way in saying we think we're going to get hugged three times. I love that. Okay? I love that. You come here not, not just to sit and soak it in and then evaluate the sermon at, at breakfast. You come here to be a part of a community. See what Jesus is doing in and through other people's lives and to be prayed for. Thank you for being courageous enough to stand. For those of you around, extend a hand of blessing toward them. And let's pray for these couples. Okay. God, we love you and we thank you for the creation of marriage. We esteem it as highly valuable. You created it and we want to be a church of, 
of your people who cheers others on in their marriage. And we want to do it loud and we want to do it often. I pray for each couple standing who said we need backup singers in our life. We need the prayers of our church family. And you know everyone standing has a different story and unique needs. And I pray that as they leave today that they will leave with a greater hope because they're part of this this faith family that cares for them and is cheering them on. I pray for these couples that you would breathe life into them. May they feel today and understand and see and believe in a very special future for their marriage. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.